What do you want God to do in your life? What dream do you have that seems unattainable or keeps being sidelined? How does what you want align with what God wants to do in your life, what you understand that God wants to do in your life? Our current sermon series is called The Path getting from here to there. This is a teaching sermon series that's going to outline the structure that we need in order to accomplish goals, to fulfill God's claim and call upon our lives. And yet, I want to stress what I began the service with. This may not be a one-size-fits-all sermon, and I understand that. I mean, I think it applies if you're in middle school on to middle age and beyond. We're setting goals, but some of you may be sitting back having earned some hard-won laurels, and if that is the case, I would suggest that your role may be to provide encouragement to others, to remind them that it is possible to achieve goals. It is possible to allow God to work in and through us to do more than we dare dream or imagine. So don't think that you can't apply in some way the principles of which I will be speaking we begin, of course, by acknowledging and claiming our identity as God's dearly loved children, that God wants to partner with us in changing the world, as Brooke outlined in the Next Gen message. And we hear that clearly if, when we listen to Valerie reading from the prophet Isaiah and are reminded that God has called us from the womb, and that it is God's desire for us to be a light for the nations so that God's salvation, healing, and wholeness may reach to the ends of the earth. And that's a call that is upon all of our lives. So once we acknowledge that, though, some of us may have some pre-work to do if we're going to achieve goals, and that pre-work may be acknowledging what self-defeating thoughts take up space in our minds. Some of us think about doing something, and then we think, well, there's no way I can do that. I tried it before, and I failed, or I hit a wall. I can't go forward. We may even say, I'm not fill-in-the-blank enough. And so pre-work here is to take the time that is necessary to name all the ways that we have messed up, all the mistakes we've made, all the things that we have done that haven't gotten us where we want to go, and to release them, to say, I'm going to set that baggage down. Here I think we might find it helpful if we would reframe our thoughts instead of thinking, I'm such a failure, if we thought, hmm, I've explored some things that didn't work. Um, it wasn't all a waste. Now I know better not what to do. When we give ourselves permission to wipe the slate clean, then we set the stage, we begin to set the stage for God to work. And after we acknowledge the self-defeating talk, then the next two steps are to identify 
what we believe is possible and how much we want to achieve whatever it is. Belief and desire are the top two factors in achieving our goals. If we don't think it's possible to do what we want to do, then we'll not be, we will not be able to move forward. As elementary as this may sound, we have to begin with the belief in mind that whatever it is can be done. Someone else has done it, has shown us that it is possible. For example, someone else has turned their grades around, has gone back to school, has achieved sobriety, has gotten out of debt, has lost weight, has maintained life-giving relationships, has published a book, whatever it is, we begin by believing that it is possible to accomplish whatever it is that God has laid on our hearts. And when we do so, we remember that most of us are not trying to go to the moon or to Mars, although that has been done. In today's gospel lesson, the chronically ill and disabled of Jerusalem lie waiting by a pool by the sheep's gate. Rumor, legend, or tradition has it that an angel visits the pool at random times, stirring up the water and giving it healing properties. The first person to step into the pool after the angel disturbs it receives healing. Healing is possible, even if it is rare, and so the ill and infirm gather and wait for the angel to come in the hope that they might be healed. It appears that they recognize their inability to heal themselves. One of the reasons that we so often fail to achieve our goals is that we rely on our own strength, our own willpower, and it fails us. If we are going to live into and out of God's dream for our lives, we need to open ourselves to God and to others. The difference between a closed system and an open system may well be the difference between remaining stuck or moving forward. According to one writer, being in an open system means that we are not arrogant enough to think that we have all of the answers or that our organization has all of the answers, that we don't need help. Being in an open system means acknowledging that there is experience and energy outside of what we bring to the table that can help us in taking advantage of this outside experience and energy. Without Jesus, this man has been trapped in a closed system for 38 years. He cannot heal himself. He cannot get to the pool when the healing properties are present. And Jesus shows up and asks the man a question. Jesus gets straight to the point. There are no introductions. There's no small talk. There's no sermon. Don't you wish you were there? There's just a question. Do you want to be made well? Another translation for this is whole. And as the sermon continues, I'm going to move back and forth between using the word well and using the word whole with the connotation of being made well physically, mentally, and spiritually as God has created us. Do you want to be made well? I don't know about you, but this question catches me off guard when I first read it. I mean, 
what sort of question is that? The man has been by this pool for 38 years. Why would he be there if he didn't want to be made well? Put yourself in the story for a moment. How would you feel if you were unwell for close to four decades and a stranger came along one day and asked you if you really wanted to get better? The overthinkers among us would begin to raise all sorts of questions. Is Jesus implying that my illness is somehow my fault? Why is he asking me this? What's going on here? How do you think you would respond if you were in that man's place? Would you be insulted or might you hear a faint echo of truth? Now, let me be clear. I don't think Jesus is blaming the victim in this story. All four Gospels attest to Jesus' deep compassion for the sick and the disabled. Nowhere in Scripture does Jesus respond to pain or illness with callousness or condescension. Not once does Jesus tell a person that her illness is her own fault or his own fault. In fact, Jesus corrects every cultural misunderstanding about disease and disability at every opportunity. And yet in this story, Jesus asks a very pointed question. Do you want to be made well? Well, what's going on here? Author Debbie Thomas suggests that when Jesus looks at the man, Jesus is looking beyond the man's physical condition to his spiritual and emotional and mental condition. And when he does so, Jesus sees that this man is not whole. It's not just a matter of not being able to walk. It is the self-defeating thoughts that the man has allowed to take root and flourish in his mind. When Jesus looks at the man, he sees defeat. He sees resignation. He sees psychological and spiritual stagnation. He sees a man whose hope has dwindled. A man whose imagination has shrunk to such a point that he can't even articulate what he wants for his body, his soul, or his future. He sees a man who feels abandoned and who is stuck. Do you want to be made well, Jesus asked. It's a simple yes or no question, and the man doesn't say yes. After 38 years of being unable to walk, the man doesn't say yes. Instead, he gets defensive. He complains about the mechanics of scarcity. I have no one to put me in the pool. He makes a compelling case for the unfairness of the world. While I'm making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. He invites pity. He hems and haws. He dodges. In short, he avoids answering the question that Jesus actually asked, which isn't a question about the man's circumstances, but is a question about the man's heart, about his desires and his identity. What do you want, Jesus asked. It's a question, my friends, that we all are called to answer if we're going to move from paralysis or inertia or wishful thinking to action? Do I want to be made whole, really? Do I want to be made whole from all that holds me back and paralyzes me? Do I want to stand up? 
Do I want to walk? Do I want to move? Do I want to do whatever it is that I say that I want to do? For many of us, an honest answer to this question makes us pause because there are times when there is a disconnect between what we say that we desire, what we say that we want, and what we actually do. We know what it's like to say I want to accomplish such and such, to say I want out, to say I want freedom, to say I want to be made well, and not quite mean it. Some of us know what it's like to cling to brokenness because it's familiar. We may even know what it's like to make victimhood our identity. We know what it's like to be reluctant to move forward because we're not sure of the future. We know what it's like to sink into self-pity. Sometimes some of us believe that everyone else has access to something, to resources that we don't have, and so they're able to move forward, but we'll never be able to do that. We may know what it's like to decide that we're doomed to sit at the very edge of wholeness for the rest of our lives and never attain it. And yet, Jesus' interaction with this man reminds us that God cares about what we want and that recognizing and articulating our desires is a necessary step to achieving healing, wholeness, and progress. This story shows us that Jesus wants us to be made whole, to walk again, to thrive again, to live again. To quote Debbie Thomas, Jesus wants to deliver us from the paralysis of our past, our baggage, our laziness, and our fear. Jesus wants us to want, and to want deeply and passionately. He wants us to say yes. And so I ask you, do you want to be made whole? This is not a five-paragraph essay or a term paper question, friends. It is a simple yes or no question that Jesus asks each of us. Now, note what happens after Jesus asks the man this question. Jesus says, stand up, take your mat, and walk. And the man does exactly that at once. John tells us the man was made well, and he took up his mat and began to walk. At once, immediately, is the descriptor that Mark uses most often. We don't find it as often in the Gospel of John. But again, this is an unusual story, and in this story, we learn that at once, the man stood up and began to walk. Notice that the man never asked for healing. Nothing indicates that he even knows who Jesus is. Jesus doesn't tell the man, your faith has made you well, nor does he dwell on the man's past. Jesus doesn't focus on the 38 years that the man can't get back. Jesus doesn't heal the man on his terms by helping him to the pool where the angel, when the angel stirs the water. Jesus simply tells the man, get up and walk. And the man does. Ultimately, this story is a story about what God makes possible. 
It's a story about Jesus who is always at work making things new and making people whole. And it is a story that invites us to consider how much we trust that God wants us to be whole, no matter what our circumstances are, to claim the promise that God wants to be involved in our lives, that God loves us with a never-failing love. And even when things don't make sense to us, when we may not achieve the physical healing for which we long or for which we've prayed or for which others have prayed on our behalf, it is still possible for us to be made whole because God draws near to us and gives us that peace that passes understanding. In many cases, it's also possible that we achieve our goals. We do it by following those steps that I mentioned earlier. These are all necessary. Believing that God has a call upon our lives, identifying and letting go of the baggage of failure and disbelief that we carry, believing that it's possible to accomplish what we want, having the desire to move forward. But the most important step, the primary step that underlines every other step is inviting God into our story, is believing that God wants to work in and through us. We're reminded in this story that Jesus' desire to heal is a part of who Jesus is. And so the question, do you want to be made whole, is a question that Jesus will never stop asking us because Jesus' heart's desire is for us to be made whole. Jesus' desire is for our wholeness, our freedom, and our thriving. And Jesus understands that there is painful surgical power in the question itself. And so the invitation, the first invitation that I extend to us today is to hear Jesus ask each of us, do you want to be made whole? And secondary questions that we may ask ourselves are, am I ready for God to work in my life? Where do I want to go? What do I want to achieve? Is my vision enough to get me out of bed of a morning? But the primary question is always, do I want to be made whole? Gaining clarity, around this question and the other questions gives God an opportunity to work in and through us. Thanks be to God for wanting to deliver us from the paralysis of our past, our baggage, our laziness, and our fear. May God increase our belief that God desires our wholeness. Amen.